0: Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. Daniel and Billy Baldwin. No, 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 that's a different road trip. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car.
1: But that was then, Babo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey.
0: No, we're not.
1: And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether
0: you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God.
1: Uh, spoiler!
0: Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here.
1: Ah, fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in
0: there. Okay, you know we're running out of time.
1: Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned.
0: So buckle up and settle in.
1: Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now.
0: Hey, everybody, I'm Rob Benedict.
1: And I'm Richard Spade, Jr.
0: We are talking about Season 2, Episode 3. It's called Bloodlust, Robbie. Bloodlust, which is also the name of my uh, high school band. Really?
1: No. I thought it was just lust.
0: No, it was just blood. Hey, everybody, don't forget to like us on iTunes and Spotify. You know, five stars equals two full beards.
1: Yeah, go ahead and give us five stars. You know you want to, it's time to do it. Pull the trigger.
0: And uh, and share uh, stories of our show with your friends via reposts on Instagram and Twitter. And get the word out there.
1: Yeah, be sure people who love Supernatural know about this podcast so they can love it, too.
0: And now, for episode three of season two, Bloodlust. Baby is back. Baby is back. Baby's got back. Baby got back. Baby's got trunk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's fixed, and the boys are headed to Red Lodge. Montana, to investigate reported decapitations and cattle mutilations. Gross. Once there, they pose as weekly world news reporters and interview the sheriff. Sam and Dean head to the morgue to inspect the bodies and discover that the victims are vampires. Oh, man. The brothers go in search of the vampires next, and in the process meet Gordon Walker, another hunter. However, Gordon focuses on vampires. He tells the boys he knows their reputation, but he's a solo operator and he leaves. But well, Gordon has tracked down a vampire and attacks it. Yeah. However, the vampire overpowers him, and Sam and Dean are there, and they rescue Gordon, and, and Dean uh, quite violently kills the vampire.
1: Well, is there a nonviolent way to kill a vampire?
0: Apparently not. I guess you got to kill him with there. kindness. Right. Mm. But he does, he does it, and then Sam kind of notices. Boy, Dean seems a little unhinged. I think that's the easy
1: for point. Sam to say, standing far away from the vampire while it's getting killed.
0: Yeah, well, someone had to hold on to Gordon while the vampire was killed. Somebody had to cling to Gordon. <laughs> Gordon offers to buy the boys a drink. Sam decides to head back to the hotel, not really loving what's going on there, leaving Dean and Gordon at the motel. Sam calls Ellen at Harvell's, who tells him that Gordon is nothing but trouble. That's kind nothing of a funny, but trouble, she says. Not That's kind of a funny scene, too. She's like, oh, yeah, no, he's great. Oh, no, stay away from him. Um, Back at the bar, Dean hears Gordon's backstory about why he hates vampires. They bond over being hunters, and Sam is suddenly kidnapped and taken to a vampire nest. Sam thinks he's done for. However, Lenore, the vampire, explains that they don't kill people. They drink animal blood, which explains the uh, cattle being slaughtered. Exactly. They want to be left alone and have the right to live. Sam is let go. He tries to convince Dean that these vampires aren't evil. Dean doesn't buy it.
1: There's also several head of cattle outside the, uh, the <laughs> barn trying to convince Sam otherwise. Uh, no, they should be killed. <laughs> She's a liar. <laughs> They're not good yeah. vampires.
0: She's a liar. They go to Lenore's house. There they find Gordon torturing her. They get in a fight with Gordon. He wants to kill all vampires. He pulls a knife on Sam and cuts him, hoping this will drive Lenore into a thirst frenzy. However, she controls herself. This seems to convince Dean that these vampires may be reformed. Dean pulls a gun on Gordon, Sam unties Lenore, and she's able to escape. They brawl with Gordon, tie him up, and leave. Dean wonders if they've killed anything that hasn't deserved it as the episode ends.
1: All right. So here's my—I'm diving into my review. I thought the whole theme of this episode was super weak. I uh, i think, obviously, Sterling is awesome. The acting is great. The action's great. Ty Olson's in there, and it's like—I thought the reveal of the fangs, like you push the button and the gums, and the fang That's comes cool. out. Yeah. Super cool effect. Uh, I just thought the idea of, hold on, maybe some monsters are good was a real weak huh. uh, theme.
0: Oh, i um surprised at your harsh take. I, uh, I... It just
1: seems so out of the blue. I mean, like, we're watching these episodes back, 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 all of the sudden, mm-hmm. apropos of nothing. Mm-hmm. And Sam's not even the one who's been studying, D, you know, the monsters as much as Dean has. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there's some moral code that has yet to be ever spoken of or introduced, that if a creature is slaughtering things but not the other thing that it's supposed to slaughter, meaning the vampires are eating the cattle in the town, might be ruining the farmer's livelihood, but as long as they're not eating people, it's okay. They're vampires. And also they could turn at the drop of a hat.
0: Right. Well, I I guess I, I, just talking about it now, my thought, my counter to that would be that the the greater issue that we're talking about is just that the, the boys are coming to terms with who they are and trying to figure out their own identity now that dad is dead. And, and that includes like, are we, are we, are we good or are we sometimes evil? Are we killing the right things? Who deserves to die? It's kind of that. And uh, yeah. just because something is not like us, do they deserve to die? I think that that was sort of the the theme there.
1: I don't. Know. It just seems. I totally hear what you are saying, and I actually think you're, you've said it very well. I just don't. I just think that theme don't think is the episode out of the said blue. It well. Yeah. Well, I, because I think what you said about them trying to figure out who they are without their dad is a hundred percent right. They're trying to. What does it mean to be men now without a dad? What What right. is our true north? What is our right. purpose? What is our job? How do we do it? And how do we? How do we create our own moral code? Because right now all right. we know is dad's moral code.
0: Right, and so I think that's why this episode is necessary for the, for the Bible
1: to get okay. the conversation started maybe but i think that the it's such a, an abrupt 180 like gordon's story of why he when they're like i had to kill my sister cuz she's a vampire is and they're like what like they look down on him for that and you're like screw you guys if like that's that's the you know he basically saved her from being a monster you know what i mean like she had it, it, he wasn't saying my sister was a vampire and she was only eating turtle meat. Like, she became a vampire. He was a mercy killing. I'm sure that was really hard for him to do. It seemed like a weird thing to judge him for. You know who, what I mean?
0: Who eats turtle meat? Is people that a thing? Love, people love turtle meat. <laughs> who, who loves turtle meat? Buddy, turtle soup is the thing. I guess so.
1: I have a cat named Turtle.
0: Yeah, but you don't eat her.
1: No, I wouldn't, wouldn't dare which is why I don't want my cat anywhere near Sterling.
0: My biggest problem with this episode was there are a couple of, like, really long talky-talk scenes that it just felt just really long talk-talk scenes, and uh, you kind of wanted it to, like, you know, I was like, wow, this was a really long scene. Now, I thought that uh, Bob Singer, who directed it, and, and the way Serge shot it, it really did a good job of sort of trying to cut that scene up. It just went shots. But uh, it's tricky to have a long, you know, just that like that scene at the bar with Sterling K. Brown and, and, and Dean. Yeah. Went on for a while. Well,
1: I, I you know, you touched on one thing. I, I think it's phenomenally well directed and phenomenally well shot Agreed. and phenomenally well acted by Agreed. obviously our guys but sterling brown comes K. in and brown
0: is so good knocks and, and
1: the leather off the ball you i know? was really
0: hoping we could get him for this podcast but he's a busy man and we we couldn't quite get it. his schedule didn't work out but uh he just seems to me to like a really good fella he just seems like a good dude you you got a chance to meet him i hear we, i met him well,
1: briefly we- yeah and it couldn't have been nicer but all of those things elevate like sterling's you know fantastic performance Serge's great work brad's great work and bob's amazing directing mm-hmm. all elevate mm-hmm. this story that i thought was built on a weak premise that doesn't mean i'm right by the way because i know plenty of people it's not like i think it's a poorly done episode i think the episode is done very well i just think the premise of this of the story is weak for yeah, me
0: yeah i hear you i know i hear you um yeah, I think at the at the end of the day, I was really taken with the performances and with the direction and the the way it was shot. But I, uh, but yeah, it's it's not like my top five episodes or anything. But uh, yeah, I did, it felt honestly because of Sterling K. Brown's what he goes on to become. It's nice in retrospect. It feels like a special little episode, you know. And yeah. and that Like you said, Ty Olson and also um, um, Amber Benson, who was. Uh, really big at the time because she was on, um, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I thought was a, a interesting little wink, um, that she was a vampire hunter on Buffy and here she is as a vampire.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it because I, uh, yeah, I hate to be this guy. I'm going to go with Elvis mutton chops.
0: Oh, huh. all right. Um, I'm going to give it a Sterling K. Brown goatee.
1: Solid move. I like that. I like that. I like we did it there. I like what you K. did there,
0: bro T. You
1: you gave it the Sterling K. Brown. We can just call it the Sterling K. Brown.
0: Sterling K. Brown. That's
1: what I got. Um, great. You got a, an Elvis and a Sterling K. Brown.
0: Yeah. So we have such a treat. It doesn't stop there, guys. We've got cinematographer Serge Leducer, who we've had before, but he's coming with. Another returning guest, but never—they've never been together on our show. Camera, a camera operator, Brad Kreiser. Uh, they're both dear friends of ours, just wildly successful and talented at what they do. And here's our conversation with Serge and Brad.
1: First of all, is this the first time you guys have seen each other since the show wrapped, or have you seen each other other times?
2: No, we um, we went out for dinner. Sarahs was in Vancouver um, in April, wrapping up his apart his apartment. Was it April? Yeah, yeah, end
3: of April. Yeah, doesn't seem April that. April twenty something, twenty seven or something. Wow.
1: Okay, well that's great. That must have been a cool reunion. You guys have been you know spending every waking moment together for fifteen years, and then it was an abrupt end with the COVID factor of it
2: all. That had to be a pretty cool reunion. Yeah, no, it was great. It was uh, really great to to get together and
0: talk about the old days. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the dream team. I mean, uh, you know, for our listeners, we have the DP of the show in Serge and Brad was the first camera operator for nearly every episode, minus just a few. Yeah. So it's just a great, and, and you know, obviously these two positions work hand in hand. And uh, so it's great to have you guys together on the podcast. Thank you so much. Brad,
3: you you started on episode, what, 12? Uh, The Benders, which was, I think, 14. 14, yes. But I think the numbers
2: got switched in in airing order. But it was January of uh, 2006.
1: A lot of people who watch the show in great detail, reviewers, historians, they call episodes 1 through 13, the best ever. And then there's a slight dip <laughs> for 14 forward have like something. It just specif- feels different. They
0: specify it's just the look.
2: Yeah. Like the look
0: well, of the show. it's just the something look of one the of the framings. cameras, the other camera,
1: like if the yeah. off angle camera mm-hmm. is in the pocket, but that-,
2: <laughs> that, that was something that, that Maddie Titchener and Robin were always on about the, Oh, oh Jim Wallace, how we missed him. Cause Jim was the first, <laughs> operator before me
1: but those jerks
2: i know it kind of went downhill from there but who knew it was you know somehow got through 14 more
0: seasons um but let's fast forward to season two it's we're talking about season two episode three we're dealing with some vampires dealing with an actor named sterling k brown and uh in the cold open there are a lot of great pov camera work we're running through the woods Brad, did that mean you were you were holstering that uh, camera in, in the woods there? I think we
2: did Steadicam. I did some of the creepy handheld POVs behind trees and stuff because I'm good at lurking right. <laughs> <laughs> and being the monster. But I think I was looking at it again last night, um, and I think it was steady for some of that, that running. Yeah. So that would have been uh, Tim Winahan, uh, steady Steadicam operator, doing some of that. But yeah, we, we had a lot of handheld stuff uh, as well
3: they are right. great moves. There are great moves there. And then one thing I can tell you is the uh, the scary beats, they work. Because looking, at, looking back at this episode was really looking at something new for me. Not that I, you know, getting old and forgot things, but no, but uh, the, uh, it was really like watching it for the first time. Mm. And then I was surprised how well those scary beats uh, worked. Right? Yeah. Especially when you were talking about the, the girl around the, the tree. And then yeah. uh, she's got nailed by the uh, the pursuing. Uh, yeah. And so
0: I jump out of my. <laughs> yeah.
3: I did too. Yeah. yeah. it was fantastic.
0: And there's that moment with Sterling K. Brown is following the boys, and then he stops, and the and you kind of and then he turns. You think someone's going to be there, but no one's there. Then he turns back. Then they're there. You know, this all oh, this is sort of like almost like. Uh, like fake jump scares. We're like, huh, Oh, that's nothing. Huh. Yeah, well then yeah. the
2: camera moving up behind him. And then he, you know, you think that's the POV of the, exactly. the guys coming after him and then he turns. Yeah. Nobody's there. Yeah. No, it was great. It was uh, well or- orchestrated and, and uh, of course directed by our, our dear friend Mr. Robert scene.
1: Yeah. That young gun is going to go places. You know what I'm saying?
0: Okay guys, hold on. We're coming right back.
4: You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks
2: you. Join the journey to save Anomaly.
4: Place where sound is magic.
3: The only way to enter the world
4: is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality. And yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives.
0: There are ordeals
3: ahead, yet with guidance, you will face them head on without
4: fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek: Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, Offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit seekanomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y.
3: Seek Anomaly. Here, it's magic.
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And now back to the episode.
1: The jump scares work in this story I think especially going back to that, that opening scene, it's really interesting how the, the camera wraps around a tree in an interesting way. She moves around the tree. Like Rob uh, Bob Singer had the actors doing some interesting stuff that's logical, like that makes sense for the character, but it, it sort of enabled the camera to, do, to slide around and... For scary things to be happening, there you know, scary things are always happening without the c- actor aware. But it felt more natural in this episode than some because of the way the actors were blocked to move, and the camera kind of countered those moves. So that specific shot of her going up against the tree and kind of sliding around the tree, camera moves with her, and then something in the background goes, "voip." <laughs> you know, it's real quick, real creepy.
3: Yeah, that no, was great. It was it was so well done.
0: Mr. Sengier
3: designed some great shots in that episode, so I found that. Yeah.
0: Now what are, what's a, that in particular like you have vampires that means there's going to be shooting at night. Are there challenges? Are there any advantages to shooting at night? Well, that's the scare. It's, it's a dark show, so night is dark. So it's uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> so and then we had quite a experience, quite a bit of a, a fright.
0: Frighted is also on the. On the on a couple at least on that uh, on that show right when you're shooting all night long Friday night into Saturday yes yeah
1: it's a bummer that that is as hard as it is because it really does pay off like the exterior nights when you're out literally exterior night and not fabricating it inside there's a difference you know you can just
2: tell well scary things happen in the dark and there was a lot of night on this episode uh, it was great wow we did a lot of nights because <laughs> like, yeah. all the stuff at the sawmill the forest uh, yeah uh, outside the ba- the bar um, yeah it was uh, but it, it looks great like Sarah's I was watching it again and, and I was just blown away the look was just so amazing we were still shooting film um, the desaturation the 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 timing it, it just it was just so just the cinematography blew me away. Again, it was so great. Great Thank to revisit
0: you. it. So, Brad, what do you what, how, how, describe to a listener what you mean by desaturation?
2: Um, kind of the colors we we kind of play down. It's a little more muted. Not black and white, but but we're not popping, you know, reds and blues, and you know, it, it's all very kind of toned down. know um, what a good example of it would be. Serge, help me out. Then.
3: Well, now you know this is the, the look of season two. Pretty much follows the look of season one. Those are mm-hmm. the two seasons I like very much. In uh, uh, you know, in terms of looks, uh, we came back. We we came back to it in season four a little bit, but those are my two favorite seasons as far as the look in the dark and the desaturation. Uh, one, technically, we can. Uh, Describe that by uh, uh, a chemical process that's called the uh, bleach bypass uh, process. So, in, in, it's uh, when you process film, so you skip one step, and then it gives you to retain some very, you know, contrasty uh, elements in the, in the shot. So, uh, and then the, your dark and darker, and then the, the white gets whiter. So, so this is I was I was experimenting with uh, with that at the time. The uh, there was some other uh, there was a trend you know in cinematography using that uh, uh, the, the the bleach bypass uh, just uh, recall 7 is a and I, and, and, you know an example of that at the time so yeah it's a process by which you uh, you contrast the uh, image and you you blow the highlights so it gives that Feeling, you know, it's almost sometimes that I was re watching it, it's almost close to black and white, but just with a hint of color, mm. right? And oh, yeah, cool. I, I think it uh, it helps, you know, for the story of the kind of world in which we uh, we uh, we were, yeah, for
1: sure. So, I have a question to follow up on that, and, and one's a statement, Rob and I were talking about this a different episode earlier in a different interview, and I a hundred percent agree with you, Sarah season one and two, the look is phenomenal. Like I I know that they came back in and said, Hey, it's too dark or whatever at some point, but man, they should have let you do your thing. Season one and two, the darkness, the desaturation, everything you guys uh, strove for and achieved. It is so cinematic. It is so cool. It elevates everything. It's really a great look to that. end, That's
2: the word cinematic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. It elevates TV. Like you, we're watching this on Netflix, right? But you got to remember these were the kids turning on CW at the time, and there's a you know a hair product commercial in between these you know scary breaks. This is a, this TV, this caliber of show that was being made was so far above the other products on the air at the time. Mm-hmm. And and again, I think that's the only reason why they probably got in there and got nervous and started wringing their hands and like uh, we might be too dark because nothing was like this on TV. Right. It, you yeah. can't compare this to TV now. You can't look at season two and hold it up and go. Well, TV is dark. TV wasn't dark then.
0: Certainly no, not anything else on CW.
1: It, no, and no. The, and you know there was no apps. You wouldn't want. You weren't watching things on streaming services. You were watching, you know, and I and we're watching the true color pass of it, so it's great on Netflix. I don't know what the you know how CW broadcasted if they tweaked any of that at all, but it was it's phenomenal to watch what you guys uh, achieved early on and yeah, and it, continue to achieve. But I know that you're. You would have, had you had your way, they wouldn't have messed with your look. You know what I mean? You would have kept your look going.
3: I would have kept going with that. But what we found out, we found out that beginning of season three, I had the words from uh, Eric and the production that they wanted to add to have more color, you know? So to uh, said, okay, so, and then Eric said, so we don't have the choice, but to comply, you know? Uh, right. So I said, uh, okay, so that's why when you, start looking at uh when you look at season three suddenly it's uh it's more it's colorful and then it's uh I, I, it, it works in in a way but to me it's uh it doesn't have the doesn't have the taste of the uh the first two uh the first two seasons it 100 uh, percent
1: works but I, but to to my point to your point to brad's point to rob's point there was just a sort of an edgier cinema tone to the first two seasons that that really holds up super well yeah and my question about that, you're talking about desaturation, Sars, and you were explaining that process. The bleach bypass, is that what it's called?
3: Bleach bypass, yeah.
1: Yeah. But Which, it, back then, it, this it, is on it's film. It's an
3: emulation of the bleach bypass. You know, it's done in, on, on the on the co- color timing uh, uh, video. Uh, it's just an emulation. There's no chemical process anymore. It's just an emulation of it, you know?
1: Even back then?
2: Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
3: Did, digitally. No, no. In, yeah in in, yeah. in cinema like, you, in cinema in uh, uh let's say in, in seven and all of these films so they were really doing the the film thing but even though we were doing film the we were transferring it to video and then in the the timing suite we were you know emulating the, the bleach bypass there was no uh, chemical you know
4: process oh. To it.
1: oh that's interesting so here's so This leads to my next question. When you were shooting these episodes, because I I I started directing in in the world of digital, so I never directed an episode of Supernatural on film. Maybe this is a dumb question, but was there a monitor? Like, were directors using monitors then? Yes. Was this LUT on there? Like, did it have this color palette on the director's monitor?
3: Not really, because we had like like just an eight inch uh, monitor and uh so the the look was applied later gotcha so we were trying to you know tweak the monitor a little bit so we can have an idea of, of, of the look but the look wasn't baked in the daily so it was uh it was transferred accordingly to the uh to the goal we were we were having
2: gotcha yeah we're just coming off a video tap that's on the camera you would just plug in a cable like a bnc like you would your your tv almost and run it to the monitor but they are looking at it on a nine inch Sony little monitor. We didn't have the big, you know, 25 right. inch, you know, 10,000 or 25,000 thousand-dollar monitors that you see now on stats. So, uh, so
1: they're seeing what you're seeing, Brad, but you're saying, Sarah, they're doing a little tweaking to try to give it a little bit of the, of the flavor of what's going on, but they, they're not doing a full LUT pass or anything like that.
2: No, 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 no. And I, I, I'm looking through a reflex mirror spinning. I'm seeing a live image. Through a camera, not a digital image. I'm seeing a a clear uh, optical image, not a digital. And then when the digital cameras came out, it all became, you know, looking at a little video monitor through the eyepiece, not actually through a mirror that's, you know, spinning, that some of the image is going to the film, the other image is going to the eyepiece. If I was Uh, to take my eye off the eyepiece, any light coming in from the eyepiece uh, can fog the film. Right. So you can get you can you can exactly, yeah. film if you have light coming in the eyepiece that's not blocked because it's going to hit the film and expose because of the mirror spinning. So it's it's very different from, from the digital world.
3: Wow, that's interesting. interesting. One thing I found out looking, you uh, know, I was watching uh, the episode on uh, Prime, you know, Prime Video.
2: Yeah, from, uh, that's where I was too. Yeah,
3: yeah, and. Uh, mm-hmm. At the end of, uh, I think at the end of uh, 203, there is a teaser for the next one. And this teaser was edited before it was time. And then you can see the color. Oh, no. Weird. That's right. That's right.
2: Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I was on Prime as well.
3: Yeah. And so that was funny. And then it was there. It was like that at the time, which I didn't like very much because they were, you know, somewhere down the. the workflow, this that wasn't over wasn't overlooked. Wow. So I said, "Yeah, isn't something missing <laughs> so, Wow,
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: Hey, so you know, you mentioned um, Tim, who was doing the study cam work, uh, right? Yes. yes. Moynihan. Yeah. Um, there's another really cool study cam shot in this episode, in the bar, where the it, it's a and I think it's city cam unless Brad, you say you guys had a circle track and a dolly because it could have been that, but it was when they're all sitting and have a beer and you come around. One side of Sterling, you spin around, you keep talking to, you keep focusing on Sterling. Sterling kind of points to the guys. The camera goes over, lands in a profile of Dean, and then across Dean to, to uh, Jared, to Sam. It was a really yeah. slick move. I was like, whoa.
4: Yeah, Do, that was
2: two great. Questions. Yeah, that was steady cam. That was Tim. Th- that, that was, was steady. Tim. Okay. No, so not, here's my question.
1: This is a real, I don't know if you'll remember this. So the answer is that steady cam, that's Tim Moynihan doing his thing. That specific design, that, that level of detail, detailed design, is Bob Singer coming in with that exact plan, or yes. is it, does he have a broad stroke idea? Would,
3: totally, yeah. No. Yeah, Bob is, um, always gets on, a, on the set with a very precise idea of what he wants to do. So right. those shots are, exist in his mind before he gets to the set.
1: That's awesome, because that was a great shot. That was a, yeah. such a cool shot. And, and what I love about a shot like that is it's not in a hunting sequence, it's not in a scary moment. It's three guys having a beer, which could be wide, tight, tighter. I mean, it could be boring, but it's a
0: well. Yeah, what? Yeah, what Bob does really well too is he sees that that's a really long scene. It's a long talky scene, and he can make it uh, dynamic to look at by you know creating. Yeah, it's really cool. shots, really well done. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, yeah, that- also, you have to these these shots
3: have to be prepped. You know, have to be prepared, and uh, because if you do a, a shot like the one you described. So you go all around, so you see all the walls and you see everything. Right. Uh, like almost like a 360 sometimes. So, I think it was almost a
1: 360, Sarah. I think it was like, a, you know, you had one slice of pie to work with. Everything else was going to be on camera, you know? Yes.
3: So what it means, it means that every every all the lights have to be hung. You right. know. So I can't have anything, almost anything on the ground. So everything has no to system. be hung. So this is some uh, some prep. So there's no way we can do that you know, oh, okay, let's do that. And then uh, and then it happens in the, the next 20 minutes. know, no. So you have to to know in advance what you're doing and uh, and then prep for it.
1: Now, when you say you have to know in advance and prep for it, would you mean that Bob would come to you a day before and say, this is the plan? Or in the camera blocking, is that enough time to be prepared? Like if, if Bob walks into that scene and he goes, okay, stairs. this is my move. And is that enough time for you to prepare for that? Or did you need to know the day in advance?
3: well it, it depends on the extent of the the prep we did before uh at the time i wasn't participating on the uh because i was shooting every episode i wasn't participating on the on the on the tech survey so uh, uh then i knew from the uh, uh from my gaffer and key grip what the kind of shot Bob wanted to do. And Bob would come to me and said, okay, in this place, I'd like to do that. So I'll make sure with my my guys that, uh, okay, in this place, guys, we're going to have to hang everything or most of the things. So we right. can, you know, do those, do those shots.
1: So let's say I- for people listening, sorry, Brad, I'm just going to pause right here and say for people who are watching and don't know what a tech survey is, a tech survey is where department heads, or, or at least representatives from every department, go set to set to location to location with the director of the next episode. And the director and the first AD describe what's going to happen in these locations so that the department heads can start to prepare what they need to prepare for the day's shooting, which might not be, which might be two weeks away, but it's like the art department measures for the signage. And the guys, you know, do engineering surveys to be sure a crane base will fit there. And it's all all that starts. So that's what Sayers was referring to when he talked about the tech survey. Uh, go exactly, ahead, Brad. Yeah.
4: I was just
2: going to say, and, and that, I believe we did that on location in the in real bar. We, that wasn't a set. That was the one we shot. It was in Maple Ridge, I think, right, Sir? Thanks, so that right. had to be prepped in a, in a real location, which makes it even more challenging because you're not in a studio set where you have a grid and pipes that you're prepared to hang lights from. You have to make it work right. in, in a practical location, which it was I think an extra challenge and and it was executed masterfully of course.
1: It is executed masterfully. Do you think there's a benefit I know the I know the benefits of working on a set because of everything you just described. You can you have control of things. But isn't there something to be said for working in practical locations just for the tone and vibe of existing rooms and buildings?
2: Oh, Of course. And and, because you're, you're dealing with, you know, you're looking outside to real life, not a, not a trans light or a backing or, you know, uh, a studio wall. It's
3: uh, certainly get more, more depth and and realism, obviously. And you're in a real world also. Yeah. Right. And in in studio, you can achieve that also, but it needs, uh, you know, skill of a a lot of people to make that uh, happen, to uh, make it look like it's the real thing while it's not,
0: you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, Sterling K. Brown in this episode, uh, we're fans of his. And of course, his work on This Is Us uh, has, t- has thrown him into a whole nother celebrity realm. Um, do you remember what it was like to work with Sterling?
3: Well, like I said uh, earlier, looking, looking at this episode was like looking, uh, looking at it for almost for the first time. But uh, I do recall that uh, Sterling was quite a team player and he was great to, to work with. There's some specifics I don't, sure. I don't a long remember. Time it's ago. from what, 16, 17 years ago. So uh,
1: <laughs> I have a fo- follow-up question, Brad. What did Sterling have for lunch on day three? <laughs>
3: Just curious. <laughs> no, I'm not Kevin Parks.
2: Okay, so <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Sterling was awesome. I remember, and of course there was a, a gag that started happening with, with, uh, Jared and Jensen because, um, Sterling's character was Gordon, right? So it was, it became Gordon. So they, Jared Jensen Rose, like Gordon and Sterling took, took it like a champ, but I mean, he was, he fit right into the, you know, you know what it's like on set, especially with those two mooks.
1: Well, I think they got along well because I, I, years later, I, I was, uh, at a restaurant with Jared and Jensen, uh, in Vancouver, and this is years later. So Sterling is already on This Is Us. He's already becoming a guy, uh, a celebrity in his own right.
2: Huge, huge star.
1: Yeah, huge star. And uh, he comes in, he sees Jared and Jensen, and it's immediately like, hey, hug, 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 chat, chat, chat. He sits down, and then eventually Jensen and I start talking. Jared and Sterling are engrossed in some sort of conversation, and they're pulling out photos, and they're showing each other photos. And I'm thinking – Oh, kids, right? I mean, that's your logical thought. They're showing pictures of their kids. They weren't. They were showing each other pictures of their abs after workout. They're like, dude, I'm lifting this much. I'm lifting this much. I'm like,
4: <laughs> and they're showing pictures pictures
1: of like their selfies, their torso selfies. And I'm like, um, what in the name? Wow. No wonder Sterling fit in like a glove over there.
3: <laughs>
1: both, both, <laughs> uh, both gorgeous men ex- uh, exchanging uh, uh, <laughs> gorgeous photos of each
0: other. That's yeah. funny.
3: You know, one thing I realized on, uh, in this episode also, you have the, uh, the barman at, at, the, uh, at the beginning of the, uh, of the show, uh, first act, it's Ty Olsen. And Ty, Ty yeah. and will become Benny at some point a few seasons later. So when yeah. I, when I mm-hmm. watched that, I said, oh my, god, oh, this, is, this is Ty. It's, I didn't realize that we had him, you know, years before he came to the, to the show as a new character. And I, I thought I, yeah. I
2: thought is is this where we introduce Benny? I'm like, wow, I didn't realize he was that early. And then it's like then they go, Eli. He's like, oh, he's not
3: Benny. So yeah, it was
2: <laughs> it was years later, but he was a vampire, which is quite funny. That yeah. later he comes back. yeah, I was super vampire.
1: confused by that. I like because it was also long and long enough ago where I, I thought, oh, maybe that guy just looks like Ty Olson. You know what I mean? Like I, I you know, I, I thought maybe it's just a guy with a similar look. So I paused it and looked it up on IMDb, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Is Ty Olson?
3: I had the same, I had yeah. the same, the same reaction. I also looked. <laughs> oh, no, I yeah,
1: didn't... and and thought yeah. the I mean, seriously, I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, oh, this is Benny, and they're <laughs> calling him Eli. I'm like, okay, this is not yeah. Benny, and then he's a vampire, and I'm like, I know Supernatural has bought has brought back a lot of actors. Some girl plays a babysitter in one season. Next year, she's a you know flesh eater or something, you know. But I've never. It's never occurred to me, or I never realized, that they they brought back an actor playing the same monster, but a different character in that same monster field. You know, he's a vampire here, and then a vampire later, but a different vampire.
3: Yeah, second time we meet him in Purgatory. So
1: we're we're our type typecasting Ty Olson as a vampire.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was another cameo in this episode too. I don't know if you guys realized.
1: Hold on, hold on. Let me think about it. Cameo, what scene?
2: Uh, in the sheriff's office when the boys are posing as reporters talking to the sheriff about the cattle mutilations. Okay. There is a, um, the sheriff's assistant, uh, female that comes to the door saying, they're ready for you now. He's got a press conference or something. Do you know who that woman was? No. Cheryl Teagues. Mackenzie Ackles. Jensen's sister. What? No way. She okay. She was in town visiting. She's not in the business. She was in town visiting and I guess Jensen goaded her into making a little uh, walk-on that day we were shooting it. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So I thought that was a little.
0: There's one of Rob's fun facts. Wow. <laughs> fun yeah. Facts. Exactly. That's. Uh, <laughs> I just checked our fun facts to see if that was in it, and it isn't. So that's. There you go. Used, you uh, just trumped the fun facts. Yeah.
2: That's my contribution. That's yeah, great. That was that was fun. No, it was that's great. Awesome. It was. Uh, so it's a family affair even from like season two.
3: Yeah. Oh, cool! Yeah, nice, um, nice moments to be recalled. Also on on this episode. So I was in touch with uh, with Bob uh, the last couple of days, and I asked him, "Do you, uh, do you have any special memories that you have about this uh, this episode?" So then he replied to me and said he had a couple. So I said I was going to talk to you about uh, about that. Great. One is the uh, uh, it's the shot of uh, Jensen at the very end of of the show. And then that shot became kind of an iconic uh, image of Supernatural. It's is looking back at the camera and there's a flare. And then when we were shooting that, uh, uh, we were ready to do that. And uh, and Brad was saying, uh, if you recall Brad, said, there is a flare. So yes, we'll love it. So let's do it. It's just- The flare, the yeah. flare. It's like, yeah, I just have down on my,
2: my notes. It's just the flare. Yeah. It was like- yes amazing one of the best I, moments of the series <laughs> yeah. i
1: remember that shot i thought that shot was so cool and you know i think people now so much go oh let's get the flare aim for the flare that was not the style of the time you know to like to to reach for flares and that kind of thing and that was such a cool dramatic moment and it, it, it the, helps uh, it helped a happy, jensen look
3: the happy accident
1: yeah a happy accident that looked amazing yeah, bet. and it helped it helped with jensen in that moment because he's not he doesn't look good on camera and doesn't have a very dramatic, you know, stare in that True. moment. So it really helped offset his <laughs> well, awkwardness. Well, it distracted you yeah. from his
2: face, so you didn't have to yeah. look at his face. you are like, oh, look at, that yeah. nice little, look at that nice little sun ring. It's like a <laughs> rainbow. You can see the rainbow. I mean, oh that's man, like, so that's a pretty good shot. <laughs> just, just do that.
0: Um, now, uh, Serge, first of all, thank you for doing our job for us and, and interviewing Bob. <laughs> 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 but
3: but
0: also, also, you did also. Um, but... <laughs> um, was that was that flare a result of shooting at a specific time of day?
3: Well, the sun mm-hmm. wasn't so. We're, we're probably, we're looking at the at, towards the sun, and then it just flared the lens. And so, in that, you have the choice with the grip to flag it or to let it go. So, in that instance, so you make the decision to let it go because right. it's cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I tell you, that's like that's like a. a... <laughs> a grips freedom cry don't flag it let it go
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there should be shirts <laughs> but they would be happy to flag it but you just you have to tell them don't do it <laughs>
1: so and flagging it means yeah. putting up a piece of material that, that would block that flare from happening uh off the off to the side of the lens uh, so i know you just said this Sarah, but i just want to reiterate For my own clarification. So you guys didn't plan for the flare. You just saw that it was going to happen and decided to embrace it. Yeah. That's awesome. That was such a cool shot.
2: It it became one of my favorite, I think, of of the series.
1: Oh, no. It's literally, it looks like something, again, I use, maybe I'm overusing the term cinematic, but it has that river runs through it sort of epic, you
2: know, Mm -hmm. shot feel.
0: Sure, with a, with another, you know, with a Brad Pitt looking fella.
2: Yeah. And, and he did help. He helped the scene a little there, but um. whatever.
3: <laughs> no, this is the kind of situation where you decide, you decide, you go with it or you don't. So there's still a creative Correct. choice happening there. So you go with the with that flow or or you don't. You flag it or you don't. That's the
1: right. I, well, mm-hmm. it, I mean, in this case, one hundred percent the right choice.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. The other thing about this episode that I just wanted to throw up because it just seeing it again and almost like you said, Sarah, for the first time. That's probably some of the best driving sequences we've done with the Impala, like the long the long yes. lens coming over the hill, the camera car work. Like we we didn't do that very often, and that to me was one of the most the iconic Impala and the boys driving, uh, which we did. You know, insert car uh, and long lenses. Like the whole sequence was. Was fantastic, and it was all Bob. Bob wanted to get some really, you know, we had great beauty shots, and this is, you know, us physically on a camera car going around them and uh, and and towing them and and the whole works. I mean, it's time, you know, a lot of time involved in doing that kind of work, but it was it was amazing, and and, and some of the best looking footage. So
3: yeah, no, I it, it looks amazing. That. I agree with that because this is the uh, the comeback of the Impala, <laughs> right? After it has been destroyed at the end of season one, so. Uh, season uh episode one and two so they're rebuilding it so that's the finally baby's back back. on the road
1: yeah you answered my question i was going to say aside from just doing that because it it's a good idea for the show itself it really is thematic because you're bringing a character Mm -hmm. back. it's a resurrection of the car right i mean yeah very cool so, so he could justify spending that time as a director on those moments because it really was solidifying that baby was not going anywhere Every time Jared and Jensen died, believe me, they're coming back. And now we've just said the same thing about the car.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Set the tone. Uh, Serge, you were saying earlier, you talked to Bob. Was there another story outside of the Flair story that he wanted to yeah, share? There was a moment when we were, um, you know, at the sawmill.
3: So uh, he said, um, I, had, uh, I had a few uh, shots to, um, I had a lot of shots, the design. And he said, Towards the end of, of the night, so I uh, decided to uh, uh, do the shot and this the scene where uh, uh, the guy's head is cut off by uh, uh, Jen, by uh, Jensen, and uh, by Dean. And so we went about to do that, and he said, "Okay, so what can we do now?" So we turn turns around and he looks, on the, on the other side, the sun's almost not. So the uh, the day's about to to break, so uh, said, okay, so take, good. We do, we, we did that. So that was one uh, one moment he uh, he recalled that he wanted to come to oh, yeah. So that was, uh, uh, you know, coming back to uh, getting back to the uh, fraternity uh, thing we were talking about earlier. <laughs> right, a long night yeah. after a long night. So that was probably one of the last shots uh, we we did on that night. When yeah, oh, is that yeah. right? Right before the, before sun, the sun came yeah. up? Yeah.
0: Yeah, sky the sky was turning blue.
3: Uh, you look on the other side and then it's the days breaking up.
1: I think the efficiency of a crew and director are tested on those moments when you like how much story do you have to tell? How much daylight do you have, or or no daylight do you have left to tell it? And how do you efficiently accomplish what you need to accomplish? Because let's be honest, nine times out of ten, whatever the plan is, gets abandoned for some truncated version exactly. of storytelling. But how do you still make it cool, effective and cinematic and all those things? Of course, you don't do you don't get better than Bob Singer at something like that, you know.
3: So and especially episode three. So that means we were shooting kind of uh, probably August or something or end of July or beginning of August. And uh, these the the days, they are very long and nights are very short. So you have to maximize your uh, shooting time so you don't get trapped into a kind of situation where, oh, okay, no, right, finish because the the sun's coming up.
0: Right. That's when it doesn't get dark until like 9 o'clock in Vancouver. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Well, guys, uh, we could talk to you all day, but we'll we'll let you go. We know you're busy, man. It's Canada uh, Day, Rob. We got
1: to let them go celebrate Canada. It's Canada (laughs) Day. Go
0: go celebrate. But Um, but no
1: joke, I I could have you guys on for every episode to have these conversations. It's just literally fascinating because, I mean – Nobody has an inside scoop more than you guys other than Jared and Jensen. I mean, you two specifically. It's so awesome to hear your stories about how these episodes were executed and the nuances, the fun, the challenges. It's just fascinating. So thank you so much.
2: Anytime. Yeah, anytime. It's really, really great to see you guys, and I love talking to you guys, too. And it's great to have Sarahs on board, too. Well,
1: we're going to do it again, and yeah. we're going to pair you guys up again because it's just too fun, and maybe we'll wrangle Bob Singer in for a trio. It's just too too great. That yeah. would be
2: fun. That would be fun. Yeah. All right. All right cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Okay. Thanks, guys. Hey, there's Jensen. I hope you're enjoying the episode, uh, but we need to pull
1: over for a second for some messages, and I got to take a leak.
0: Hey guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game. And it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force, is it's a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like dr doom and apocalypse so okay so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a pvp player versus player mode such as alliance war or real-time arena so as we as i record this they're enjoying their six-year anniversary so you know what that means free stuff free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses and if you complete each event you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day each week. You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user, so please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day what would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, watch Supernatural, maybe all the above? Or maybe it's that thought that brings in a sense of panic. I mean, the question is, what time for what? If time is unlimited, how do we use it? Sometimes the hardest time for people who work every day is the weekends, when people are faced with a choice if I've got this free time, what do I do with it? If this rings true for you, maybe therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy for many years now and I talk openly about it. I still go to therapy um, about once a week and it's just such a nice time for me to to have that free space to to try to figure out who I am really and what I really want and what makes me happy. It's super important and often neglected taking this time. If you're thinking about starting therapy, get BetterHelp a Try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. So all you do is you fill out this brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then, oh, get this, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because they want you to be happy. That's what this is about. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash S-P-N-T-A-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P. dot com slash S P N T A N.
4: Hey, guess what? We're, We're back. back.
1: What a conversation! I love those guys as individuals yeah. talking to them together. That was one of my favorite interviews we've ever done, bar, bar none.
0: Well, it's it really like I, like I said, it's, it was the dream team, and and having those two together was it's really really cool. I mean, it's literally it's like having you know. Uh, Jordan and Pippin on, you know what I mean? It's like these these two guys yeah. uh, helped helped to create this this dynasty of a show, and and also f- as a friend of yours, it's fun to see how jazzed you get because I know uh, as a director y- you really geek out at at what they do, and so it's it's fun for me to see you get so so excited about it. I
1: really do geek out. I know. I I because I'll see you like open your mouth, but I get three more questions in before yeah. you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I um, I try to, and and none of them, by the way, are the, are written questions, which I love. It's organically happy, but uh, yeah, and then you're like follow up, uh, and I, and I'm going,
1: uh, but and I said this at the end of the interview, and I mean it. We got to get those two guys and and Bob Singer together for an interview because yeah, we do we because do. a they all love each other like brothers. B, Brad and Sares were in the trenches together for every episode, you know, episode 14 forward. And then Bob being the pointy of the bayonet for them for directing the most episodes ever and being the voice of the show from the directing standpoint as the executive producer and co-showrunner for so many years. I mean... And he's also so funny. I think it would just be a great it would be a great episode of this podcast to have them all together.
0: Absolutely. I love what Serge said about how Bob always came, you know, knowing exactly in his head how he wanted it to look and how that informed their job and what they needed to do. And, you know, it's uh, we take it for granted, but you know, he he passed that on to younger directors like yourself. Oh yeah. And not all new directors come in with that sensibility or that talent or that preparation like Bob did, and like he's passed on to some of his the people that have worked under him, and uh, a lot
1: of proteges. You know, Phil Segrisha is a protege of Bob Singer, exactly. You know, John Showalter. You know, there's a lot of them, and myself included. So he has a wide wake of directors who've come in behind him who've learned a lot from his uh, skill and style.
0: Yeah, and it was it was it it was always a pleasure for me to watch that happen and to work uh, with it. Um, So it's just great to have those guys on, and now. We're going to talk about this episode in terms of its mythology.
1: Mythology! Mythology!
0: Mythology! It is common in pop culture to have vampires try to be ethical by only drinking animal blood.
1: Those are called vampire nerds.
0: <laughs> or they'd be like vampire vegetarians. <laughs>
1: They're still eating meat. It's a cow.
0: Yeah, but for vampires, they normally eat uh, human blood. But they're like, no, only meat blood for me, only uh, cow blood for me. It's like so. Then they're
1: about, cowitarians.
0: They're cowitarians. Yeah. <laughs> Other popular ethical animal blood drinking vampires include Louis in Interview with the Vampire, uh, Edward Cullen in Twilight, and Angel in Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
1: Interestingly, I've heard of Louis and Angel. Rob has heard of Edward Cullen.
0: Well, yes, because I've got a teenage girl. I've I've seen all those movies.
1: Oh really? I was making a joke. You have okay, there of course. you go.
0: And boy, are they bad! But uh, yeah. Now, what else you got about vampires, Rich?
1: Well, there's a bunch of famous vampires, Rob. Mm-hmm. For example, Jason Patrick in Lost Boys. He's a famous vampire. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, hunters. So, other famous vampires include nope. the Count from Sesame Street. No. <laughs> Count Chocula, who's on the cereal box, and Jason Patrick from Lost Boys. Okay. Other famous vampire hunters in pop culture include Abraham Van Helsing from Bram Stoker's Dracula, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Blade, and the Belmont family in the Castlevania video game series.
0: I'm going to add one to that uh, bunch, and that is uh, Guillermo de la Cruz in What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, Harvey Guillen's character in What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show taken from the movie. But, uh, yeah, his character is another okay. well. I'm
1: going to add to that as well. Any children across the United States who eat Count Chocula,
0: right. the cereal. Yeah.
1: Because vampire, I feel like if you're eating the cereal, in a way, you're hunting vampires. Yeah. Only you're doing it by filling your body with so much malnutrition that you're going to wither and die uh, early say. in your adult years. Yeah. I was no nutrients say they're also, in that cereal.
0: Yeah. They're also candidates uh, for cavities.
1: Yeah. By the way, special shout out to our (laughs) sponsor, Kellogg's. (laughs) Guess we can scratch that one off the list, boys.
0: And Dr. Williamson, DDS, (laughs) for your help in keeping clean teeth.
1: Uh, um, Now, listen, you know, I know a lot about the Balkans. Well, in the Balkan lore of vampires, they believed that vampire hunters were born on Saturdays. They believe someone born on a Saturday can see vampires and they're invisible.
0: Yeah, you and the Balkans, man. You love your Balkan lore.
1: Yeah, what are you gonna do?
0: <laughs> hey guys, it's time for fun fact.
1: Fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. Ah.
0: This is the first episode where Sam starts parting his hair down the middle.
1: <laughs> Dude, Sam's hair. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's a crazy moving target.
0: <laughs> that's a fun. That's a funny fun fact.
1: Also, this is the third podcast we've recorded where Richard had COVID.
0: That's true. That's true. And this is the first episode where Dean refers to the Impala as Baby.
1: I'm going to go on a limb and say that's where the car got the nickname, Baby.
0: I don't know. Were you born on a Saturday?
1: I was born at night, but not last night, baby.
0: (laughs) Uh, So this is interesting. So Jared broke his hand during a stunt in this episode. The writers wrote it into the next episode, so it would make sense as to why he's wearing a cast. He's actually wearing a cast in the next couple of episodes. He's wearing one in Simon said, and he wears one in uh, 206 as well. Oh. Yeah. And I noticed that. And at the end of this episode, you can tell it's actually hurting. Like out of nowhere, he's like, yeah, it hurt my hand. I, I, like when, uh, she, Weird. when she jumps on him, when the vampire jumps on him and knocks him down, Uh huh. it might have been there. But um, yeah, and he gets in the car. Do you notice that he gets in the car and he, and he shuts it with his other his opposite hand, like ah. he crosses over himself to shut the car door. And it's and there's no cast on it at this point. He's just holding it all, you know, kind of right. weird. And then sure enough, and Simon said he's got a cast on. Wow. I thought for sure he had had a crazy night out or something, and something happened. But I think it happened in a stunt.
1: Well, that's what they're saying. I mean, that's what the press is telling us. You know, what I mean, that's what the that's what the PR folks want us to believe.
0: Right. Well, here it says what I was saying earlier, that Amber Benson, who played Lenore, was also in the long-running series Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which
1: I did not know until you said that.
0: Yeah, I love that show. I never saw it.
1: The line Dean says, sleep all day, party all night, is a reference to the vampire film The Lost Boys, which stars Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland. And it has the famous line, sleep all day, party all night, it's fun to be a vampire. That's Um, actually, I think the, I don't think that's the line, I think that's the movie uh, poster slogan.
0: Yeah, maybe I can't remember. I mean, it definitely was it was the slogan. But did Kiefer Sutherland maybe? Yeah, you no, know,
1: he said he does. But I think it's not that exact line. I think he says like, "Sleep all day, party all night, but you must feed." Right? Oh no, no, it is. He goes, "You sleep all day, you party all night, you never grow old, and you never die, but you must feed."
0: That's what it is. Yep. Yeah, loved that um, movie growing up. Yeah, me too. And you love Jason Patrick.
1: Uh, I love. I love Jason Patrick. Patrick.
0: And you got to be on a boat with him for several. I wanted months. to
1: be on. A, I got to be on a boat with him. I did not get to be on a boat with Jamie Gertz. And Jamie Gertz was supposed to be my bride. When I was fifteen, I decided she and I would start a life together. Wow. So when she met me, she would decide I was the boyish, charming man of her dreams. We would uh, be married and raise a family, and that never happened. So I kind of feel like life has uh, really, wow. well, really ripped me off.
0: Creep, creep, show everybody. Just the check, please. <laughs>
1: Um, Side note to Jamie Gertz's security detail.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep a lookout um, for this, man. And here's your final fun fact. Sam and Dean pose as reporters from the Weekly World News, an actual newspaper tabloid that often published headlines about the supernatural. One of the most infamous was Bat Boy.
1: Yes, and they go back to the Weekly World News for the basis of an entire episode, Tall Tales, which is the first episode I did uh, as the trickster. It's all about ah. Weekly World News headlines.
0: Uh, wait, is that later this season? Yes. Season two? Yes. Oh, fantastic.
1: Yeah. Where That'll be going?
0: exciting. I mean, this is all new to me. Yeah. So anyway, great, great fun. Good, fun episode to talk about. Great and
1: episode to talk about. Great,
0: great interview. Great interview. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Yeah, we appreciate it. We'll see you next time.
0: This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester.
1: Guest stars include Ty Olson as Eli, Amber Benson as Lenore, and Sterling K.
0: Brown as Gordon. Bloodlust was written by Sarah Gamble, directed by Bob Singer.
1: Editing by Tom McQuaid. Music by Jay Greska.
0: Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Bob Singer.
1: The original broadcast of this episode featured the following songs. Back in Black by ACDC. Wheel in the Sky by Journey. Time and Time Again by Long John Hunter. Golden Rule by Little Ed and the Blues Imperials. And Funny Car Graveyard by Lee Rocker. It's
0: a lot of songs.
1: Dude, that's an expensive episode.
0: Yep. This episode originally aired on October 12th, 2006.
1: This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict.
0: Produced by Stephen Hine, written by Stephen Hine and Haida Hulsher.
1: And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Booty? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media.
0: Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now.
1: Can we just go back to the opening of this sentence? Other popular ethical animal blood drinking vampires?
0: Yeah, it's a big Steve. one. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, hey, guys.
1: <laughs> I have COVID. And now, now we know, going forward, all you have to say is other popular cowatarians.
0: Yeah, or we could just uh, call it P-E-A-B-D vampires. P-E-A-B-D. P-E-A-B-D. Also,
1: uh, hunters. Vampire hunter. Oh, it was a hunter thing. Oh, I didn't see that part. I should read the question first
0: before you start improvising.
1: It was a great job. Hold on, I got to put my. uh I, I closed up, forgetting we had to do all the credits. Let um, me tell you something. I'll tell you right now,
0: it was a great interview. Yeah, we said that one of our favorites. No,
1: we just say it our again. Favorites. Okay, one of the best. All right, go <laughs>
2: on. Storymill Media.